Today's daf is Bavakama daf Nunches, and we are nine lines from the bottom of daf Nun Zayin Omid Beis. The two dots, Noflo Legino Venenis Mishalemes Mashenenis. Today's daf is being learned as a schus for Achenu Bnei Yisrael and Asunim Batzaro Vashivya. Today's daf is also being learned as a schus for Fuah Shalema for Yosef Ben Pesel. So the Mishnah had mentioned that if somebody has sheep and the sheep fell into this person's neighbor's garden, be'oinus, venenus, and the sheep had hana from the tfua in that garden, mishalemes mashenenus, the owner of the sheep has to pay, however, not for the value of the damage that occurred, but rather for the value of hana that this sheep had from the tfua that it landed on. So ordinarily, if somebody has mamun, that mamun is mazik, you have to pay the value of the hezek, which in almost all situations is nezek shalim. We assess the full value of the damage, and that is what the owner of the animal would have to pay. The exception, of course, is the occasional time where there's an idea of only chatzin nezek. But this is something else. Over here, being that this damage occurred by owners, so you can't be of the owner of the sheep, to pay the regular Dmei Hezek, the regular Nezek Shalim. However, Potabaloi Klom also not. Therefore, we have this new concept of Mishalemes Mashanenes. Rav said, So Rav, who was a Shaskin, made a one-word comment on the Mishnah. The comment that he made was that this halacha of Mishalemes Mashanenes is talking about where the animal had hana because when it fell, it landed on the tfua. Meaning, had the tfua not been there, then it would have landed on the ground and it would have really hurt the animal. Being that it landed on a stack of hay, so to speak, so it had a soft landing, and as a result, it had hana. So the mishalemes mashenenes said, Rav is benechbeta, where the tfua gave the behema pleasure by virtue of the fact that it speared it from what could have been a very, very big problem. So the Gemara's medayik, that it sounds a little bit from Rav, that the only time you have the halacha mishalem is mashanenis is taki in that case, right? That was Rav's comment. But in the event that an animal would fall into somebody else's vino, and then it would start eating, the halacha of the Mishnah would not be true. Meaning, afilu mashanenis ain't a mishalemis. It sounds like you wouldn't even have to pay mashanenis. Right? Isn't that what Rav is saying? This halacha of noflu legin of anenis mishalemis mashanenis is talking about where the hanoi is the tsar that it was speared because of the fact that it landed on the tour. If, however, would have eaten it, it sounds like you wouldn't be chayev to pay mashanenis. As the Gemara, if that's true, maybe we could tell to another shitas Rav, a Rav that we learned not so long ago. The Rav, Rav said, the case over there was where somebody took and he brought it into his friend's field, he had no right to do it. In the meantime, the owner of the field had a behemoth. The behemoth went, it ate the tfua, and because it ate the tfua, it ended up getting sick, and it died. You would have thought that the Baal HaPeris would be chayef, because he went and brought this stumbling block into his neighbor's field, which caused his animal to die. Rav said a chiddush that the Allah is he'd be potter. And the reason is because nobody asked that animal to eat well, we learned the sugi on Dafim Zayin Amadbeis. We spoke out Tosfos, who says that the reason the Balaperis's potter is because the way we look at this hezek is as if the animal damaged itself. Being that the animal ate, and that's what caused the damage, so really it damaged itself. And because the damage itself, so it's for that reason the Allah is that the Balaperis is going to be potter. But the point is this: that Rav holds a shita of Hoyula So if Rav holds then nobody asks the animal to. So maybe that's why if a person had an animal that falls into his friend's field, albeit ba'oinis, and then it eats, you wouldn't have to pay mashanenis. It's a chiddush. Bechur, you should have to pay mashanenis. I understand you don't have to pay mashahizik because it happened ba'oinis, but you shouldn't have to pay mashanenis. Oh, the terrors probably is because and therefore you can't be mechayiv, the owner of the animal, to pay the dmehana because his animal was not supposed to eat, he couldn't really control it, and therefore, how could you be of him now to pay mashanenis? Just like if the person would bring Paris into his friend's field and 
the friend's animal would eat it. We would say that the Balaperus is part because nobody asked an animal to eat. So if his own animal ate, maybe you shouldn't be able to be Mechaev, the owner of the animal, because is that a Tzushtal? The Chilik is so obvious. When did Rav say as a Lacha? That's over there. We're somebody brought Peres into a field and the other person's animal ate from it. Over there, the Bala Peris is going to be potted. The Motsi Omale Mori the Peri, the owner of the Peris can tell the owner of the animal, I'm not paying you, because your animal should not have eaten. And the Svar is, like we just spoke out from Taisvis there, Mem Zayinam that your animal eating is what caused the damage. So really, your animal was mazik itself. Just because I brought Paris, that means your animal was supposed to eat from it? That's Rav Schiddish. He holds that svarah. However, Lazuki, he achrini de shlumi mi amar. But in the event a person has an animal, and that animal goes and eats, are you going to say that I'm potter because my animal shouldn't have eaten? You're achroi for anything that your animal does. And being that you're achroi for what your animal does, you can't come with a chatayin anymore of and it's for that reason over here, avada, rav would that if it was nafla legina venenis, and the nenis was al sha'achlo, that mishalem es mashanenis. If that's the case, so what did Rav mean when he said benechbeda? Rav makes this one word cryptic comment, kedarkei bakoidish. He says the Mishnah is talking about benechbeda. Sounds like that's the only time mishalem es mashanenis. If it was achlo, you wouldn't be mishalem es mashanenis. So the Gemara has this fleeting havamina. Maybe this is Rav l'shitasoi hayolashaloi toichal, but the Gemara immediately rejects that. So if that's the case, what did Rav mean when he said benechbeda? So the Gemara says elo loy mi boyakamer. You have to say when Rav said benechbeda. He didn't mean la fuke achlo. To the contrary, like me by your achlo, the mishalamis mashanenis. That's poshit. That if the animal would eat, it'd be mishalamis mashanenis. Avul nechbedo, but in the event that it was nechbedo, emo, you would think in this case you're not even going to get mashanenis. And the reason is mavriach ari minechse chaverehu. We would perhaps view the peros in the gina, which protected the animal that fell in as being mavriachari umashenenis nami loimashalin. And therefore, maybe you should not even be mechuyiv to pay mashenenis. Meaning, in the case of nechbeto, what's the hana? The hana is that an animal fell a steep fall really was going to hurt itself. But because it landed on Tfua, so it didn't really hurt itself. So it comes out that the owner of the animal received Hana from the owner of the Tfua. Mm-hmm. Now there's an idea of Mishalemes Mashanenes. This is a Bavakama Digi Yezai. But this Hana that the owner of the animal is getting is not a direct Hana, but rather it's a Hana in the sense that it was being speared something really bad that could have happened. What's known in the vernacular as mavriachari. So what's mavriachari? If somebody has an asset and all of a sudden a lion is coming and it's going to devour the asset, you go, you mavriach dari. You get dari to run away. So you just gave the person hana. True. But at the same time, the hana that you gave him wasn't a direct hana. And because it's not a direct hana, so in Hilchas hana, it has an impact. Right? This comes up in the end of Masech Ksubis, it comes up in Masech Nadarim. Whenever you're learning sugis related to Hana, so there's always a concept of where you gave direct Hana versus where the Hana was a Mavriya Chari the Gehana. Being that this Hana was Mavriya Chari, because again, the owner of the animal didn't really gain anything. What did he gain? Nothing. He was just speared a disaster, something that could have been really, really bad. So being that all this Hana is, is Mavriya Chari. So I would have thought that with the Hana is Mavriya Chari, maybe there's no Din Meshallam is Mashanenis. If you give me a regular Hana, some Meshallam is Mashanenis. But if the Hana is Mavriya Chari, the Gehana, not Kamash one, that's the Chiddush of Rav, that even Nechbedo, when Rav said Nechbedo, he didn't mean Lafuke Achlo. What he meant to say was that even Nechbedo, let me buy Achlo, it's partial. I would have thought that maybe Nechbeda is different. Why would I think Nechbeda is different? Because it's a Mavriya Harika. Mashmulanda, you don't say the Svar of Mavriya Harika. Now, we just explained the Gemara in the Pashib Shah, which is before looking at Rashi. Meaning, Mavriya Chari is in Halacha usually considered a lesser level of Hana, whatever the lumdus of it is. And as a result, 
you would have thought that Mishalamis Mashanenis is only when it's a regular Hana. But if it's a Mavriya Kharid Gahna, there it's going to be different. But Rashi didn't learn the Gemara that way. Rashi, if you look at it, it's the fourth wide line, says that being that in the case of Nechbedo, it's Mavriya Kharid. So I would have thought that over there, you don't even have to pay Mashanenis. And the reason is because Umitzfahuda of it, because what this person essentially was doing was a mitzvah, umidi lishko. And maybe he shouldn't get anything in exchange for a mitzvah. That even though he's doing a mitzvah, still he's entitled to Mishalemes Mashalemes. It's very, very clear that Rashi learned that Mavriachari here doesn't mean lumdus of Mavriachari. What it means is that being that this person right now did a mitzvah, you speared the animal this terrible, terrible pain. Right? So who did he do a mitzvah for? He did a mitzvah for the owner, obviously. He's sparing him damage. He also did a mitzvah towards the animals. But the point is that mitzvah kavit, being that he's doing a mitzvah, so maybe he should not be entitled to any payment that comes about as a result of the mitzvah. Kamash malon that you don't say that. So the Gemara says, learning the Gemara the way Rashi learns the Gemara, if there's such a good svar, which means that this kid was doing a mitzvah and because he was doing a mitzvah, maybe he should not get paid for giving someone pleasure when he was doing a mitzvah when he gave him pleasure. Meaning, what's Taka Pshan in the Gamash one? So the Gemara says two svars. Number one, The reason if somebody's doing a mitzvah and he's giving someone pleasure at the same time, he wouldn't get paid, it's based on the fact that there's an umdana, that if I'm doing a mitzvah, I want the mitzvah to be kavanaki. I want it to be without any pneus and any machshav zaris. I want this to be a kosher mitzvah with all the hidurim. It's based on that umdana. That umdana you only have if the person did the mitzvah midas. But if the person didn't do the mitzvah midas, it was megalgal and schusal yadei zakai, but he didn't have kavana, the shame yichud, to do a mitzvah. So if that's the case, you don't have the umdana. If you don't have the umdana, at the end of the day, you gave someone hana, mishalem, that's smashanenes. Inami, alternatively, mabriya charim, enechse kaveri, less leip seida, highest leip seida. The only time you can say that if a person is doing a mitzvah, there's an umdana that he doesn't want to get paid for it, that's if he's not going to suffer any loss. But to the extent that he's going to have a loss that's going to come to him at the same time that he's doing the mitzvah, so then you don't know for sure. Now, could be, yeah, could be, no. But the umdin and the muchach, that you certainly don't have. And being that you don't have the umdin and the muchach that he for sure wants to do it, regardless of getting paid, so in that instance, you would have to pay machinanis. And being that over here, the person suffered a loss, right? He was definitely damaged over here. There's nothing to talk about. So being that he was damaged, right? The animal came crashing into his thing. It made a big mess. So, being that there's a hefzit over here, you don't have that, that is the Kamash one. So, bottom line, what's the first part of the daf? Noflo legina venenis, mishalemis mashanenis. Rav made a one-word comment. He said, benechbeta. First, the Gemara thought that Rav's comment was that the only time you mishalemis mashanenis is benechbeta, as opposed to achlo. So, if the hana was this side that the animal was speared when it had the soft landing, that demei hana you would pay. Mishalem is machanenes. But if it landed and ate and then had hana, that already, you would not be mishalem is machanenes. And the Gemara actually had some rationalization for this. Maybe it's Rav Tamei who holds up a svar in Shosh Anakach HaSapar of Hoyolosho but the Gemara rejected it. The Gemara said, Avada, when Rav made his one word kamenech, but he didn't mean lafuke achlo, faket. He meant lerabos. Nechbeto, meaning that's Pashat Achlo, that's your classic Mishalem Esmashanenes. I would have thought Nechbeto is Mavriachari, and the way Rashi learns Mavriachari, that being that the person's doing a mitzvah when he gives this animal the soft landing, maybe when a person does a mitzvah, midi loy lishko, kamash malan, that over here you don't have that svar. And although the etzim svar is true, that if somebody gives someone something, mitzvah ka'avid, he doesn't expect compensation in return, here it's different. Why is it different? Gemar gave two reasons. Number one, he did it shlamidas, and number two, here he has a psaita. How did this animal fall? So Pasha, you would say, Akasha Vamaisa, right? Yeah, true, but at the same time, as we'll see, there's an afkimina lahalacha. Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana said, Shehuchlako, the mei mei raglea. It slipped on its own mei raglein. Rav Amarava said, Shedach vasachaverta. That there were two animals walking, and one animal pushed the other animal, and that's how it fell. Meaning the two animals belong to the same owner, but one pushed the other, it came crashing in. One gina, right, just to set the picture a little bit better, was more elevated than the other, right? Nuflo Gina, actually speaks to that in the Mishnah. So you have these two animals walking 
on the upper gina and they're fighting for position. One knocks the other one down, he comes crashing. That's where you have this halacha of the Mishnah. So when it like this, man, that says that the way the animal fell was because it got pushed by its friend, so the halacha of the Mishnah is true there and certainly would be true if it slipped on its that in the event that there were two animals and one pushed the other, Pasha, in that case, we would view this as being a Pshia, and here the halacha would be different. It wouldn't be mishalemes mashenenes. It would be mishalemes mashenzika. Meaning, if there were two animals walking along the side of this upper gina, and they're fighting for position, we view the owner of those two animals as being a paisheya, because you know that it's very possible that these two animals are going to start fighting, and as a result, something like this might happen. The Mark speaks it out. But on Malay, we tell the owner of the animals, you should have made sure your animals walked in a single file, and as a result, this would not have happened. The point is, is that this machloikis isn't just a kasha of hamaisa. Kubit is an afkimino lahalacha. When Rav Kahana said, what he meant to say was that in the event that it was tachfes dachfes in that case, it wouldn't be mishalemis mashenenis, it'd be mishalemis mashezika, right? And just to get this a little bit clear, the only reason it's mishalemis mashenenis is because we view the nefila as having happened ba'inis. If there was an element of pshia when the animal falls into the other garden, then avader, this is a regular shame veregel. You're going to be chayiv nezik sholem like any one of the arbavis nezikin. The only reason this is a mishalemis mashenenis is because he can't be mechayiv, the owner, for the actual hesnik, and the reason is because it happened ba'inis. Narvas, there's a din of Mishalemis, Mashanemis, which we already know about. We've seen this earlier in the Masechta. But the reason we're only handling Mishalemis, Mashanemis, and we're not discussing Mishalemis, Mashanemis, is because of the Oynes, and that's Rav Kahana's point. It has to be a pure Oynes, but to the extent that we can attribute an element of negligence to the owner, in that case, this halacha is not going to be true. Another member, also from Rav Kahana. Um, Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana said, Lo yishanu, the halacha, this Mishnah, Mishalemis, Mashanemis, was only stated, if the animal falls, it lands on an aruga, on a patch of tfua, and it starts eating that aruga. Avo me aruga le aruga. But let's say once the animal landed in this other garden, so it started making some rounds, it went from this aruga to another aruga, and it was eating, then already in the shalem is mashazika. So as it relates to the aruga that it fell in, being that the nefila was ba'oinis, so you can't be mechai of the animal, or the owner of the animal, for any damage that happens in that aruga. So there it's always going to be Mishalemis Mashanenis. And it sounds like it doesn't matter how much it eats Ba'isa Aruga. As long as it's Ba'isa Aruga, it's Mishalemis Mashanenis. But the minute it jumps, may Aruga la Aruga, so for the second Aruga, this is already a beer besteyacha, it's a regular shame. Bechatzer anizik, for that already you're going to be chayv. Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon had said, "Afilu me aruga le aruga." No, even if it goes from one aruga to another aruga, it's still going to be mishalemes mashanenes. Vafilu kolayen kuloi, and even if it spends the entire afternoon there, it's still going to be the halacha. Ad sheteitze v'tachsoladas. The only time the halacha is going to switch from mishalemes mashanenes back to mishalemes mashazika is if it leaves and it goes back ladas, meaning it goes back with an element of pshia from the standpoint of the owner. But as long as it doesn't leave the garden, it doesn't matter how much time it spends there and how many rounds it makes, the halach is always going to be a mishalem is mashanenes. Um, Rav Papa, so Rav Papa commented on Rabbi Yechon and said, he said, when we say that when this animal leaves and then it goes back, Rabbi Yechon holds that the halach is mishalem is mashanenes, you should know that it means... Not necessarily where it was not watched in the regular conventional way. As soon as the animal leaves, even if it returns, meaning even if it returns where the owner was not Poshaya, where the owner did a Shmira, still the halacha is the owner is going to be Chayef to pay Mashahezek. So Rav Papa is saying a chiddush. Rav Papa is saying, so Rabbi Yechonin says that as long as it didn't leave the garden, it's always going to be Mishalamis Mashanenis. Okay, once it leaves, now we reinstate. Bavakama, go back to the first Mishnah, Bavu Yisnazikin, Shane, Pseida. Figure out what the regular halachas are, and you're going to pay Mashanenis. Rav Papa was coming to tweak that halach. He said, no. He said, an animal that falls into a garden and now leaves the garden, now the Chiyuve Shmira of the owner gets upgraded. 
Now you have to watch it a little bit better. So if it's Chazra, even Shaloyla Das Bailam, meaning if it goes back, even not via the Pshi of the owner, still the Allah is that you're going to be Chayv. Just explain this a little bit better. The first Gemara in Parakakoyna said that even Rameir that holds that a Shartam and a Shara Muid needs a Shmira Mu'ula, but Shane and Regal require only a shmirah pchusa. Why? Because the Torah said it doesn't need such a shmirah. That's why the Mishnah begins, the parak begins. And what does it mean, karoi? That as it relates to Shane Varegel, all you need to do is a Shmir Abchusa. So Rapop is really commenting on that. And Rapop is saying that this, that all you need to do is a Shmir Abchusa, that's true in ordinary situations. But when you have an animal that already, let's in somebody else's field, even though it left now, you have to know that this animal may want to go back at any time. And he's considered high risk. And as a result, in this situation, even though this animal is already going to require a Shmir So that's what he's trying to say. Don't think that Rabbi Yechelen says that the only time is going to be Mashazika, is if it leaves. And then it's, here's the punchline. What does mean? He was a Peshaya. He did him into a Shmir Even Shiyot even when Shaloyladas, meaning not mitzad the negligence. He did a shmira. He was no before Karoi. He did a shmira pusa, which ordinarily for Shane Varegal is enough. Here it's different. My time at Amalek Kimadi Yolfa called Amos the Mishamta Lahasam Rata. Because once this animal already was Yolfa, it's Choskalang, this new trick that it falls into the garden and all of a sudden he has a smorgasbord. So that already you have to be a little bit more sensitive to. And therefore the halach is a shmira pusa no longer is going to be enough either way. Right. We now turn our attention from the Nathalagina, where the halach is, if the animal had hanah, mishalem es mashanenis, can't be mechayev, anything for the hezek, because that boinus, but mishalem es mashanenis, to the next part of the Mishnah, which said, yordah kedarka vehezika, mishalem es mashahezika. In the event that an animal is yordah kedarka, not nafla, went kedarka through pshia, Mitzad, the owner of this animal, and it was Mazik Mishalemes Masha Hezika. So, Rabbi Yirmiyah, who's famous for asking these types of Ibayas, asked this type of Ibayah, Yarda Kedarka, what happens if the animal was Yarda Kedarka? The Hezika and it was Mazik, the Meleta. But the way it was Mazik was the Meleta. So, this animal was a Mu'uberes, it has an Uber inside of it, and then the Mayim related to this pregnancy broke and it caused damage. Right? It soiled the paris inside this field. So Abiyumi wanted to know whether or not the owner of this animal is going to be chayev or not. Now, what would be the tzadi should be potter? Because damage that occurs, they may lay the lechura is an oinus. And being that it's an oinus, so you should be potter. It's enough for Lagina where you're an Oynes, Meshalemes, Mashanenes. Yardik Kedarka, Vizika, Meshalemes, Mashazika. What if it was Yardik Kedarka, but it was Mazik Poynes? That's essentially Rabbi Yirmiyah Shail. So Rabbi Yirmiyah explained. I'll leave it to Mandamat Chilas, Vibshiv, Saif, Poynes, Chayev. According to Mandamat, that holds that if somebody's a Pesheya, and then lo and behold, damage occurred, but not Machmas, the Pshia, rather, Poynes. Chayev stole your chayev, like Tibayulach. Then there's no Ibaya. Why? Because he was a Tchilas of Eshiyev. It was Yarda Kedarka, that by definition he was by Shea. So he and he's going to be Chakiti Bayulach. What's the Shaila? I'm a Tchilas of Eshiyev. The Saifa Bainus Potter. According to the Mandama that holds it, even though he's a Tchilas of Eshiyev, but if the Saifa Bainus Potter, so your Potter, my, what's the Allah of here? Me, I mean, do we say, Kiv on the Tchilas of Eshiyev, the Saifa Bainus Potter? Do we say, okay, this is your classic Tchilas of Eshiyev, the Saifa Bainus? According to the Mandama, your Potter, you're going to be Potter. I don't know. Maybe we view this as being 100% of Shia, the Kiva, the Kachazi, the Kravel of the Melat, because in being that this person knew that his animal at any moment may go into labor, he should have watched the animal, and, you know, watch it, I've been careful. So could be you don't view this as Tchilash, but rather you view this as being we see the whole thing as being of Shia. And the Gemara says, like a very often did to Rabbi Yirmiyashayla's take off. For that already we need Eliyahu Atishbi to help us out to try to be poshnit this Ibai. Either way, so the Mishnah continued. And the Mishnah said, so Yardik Kedarka Vezika, Mishalemes Mashnizika. So here's the question. Kitsa Mishalemes, how do you make payment? Meaning, how do you cheshbin 
the payment. So the Mishnah said rather cryptically, We take a base on that field, we try to figure out how much it was worth before this damage occurred, and how much it's worth now after the damage occurred. Rav Shimon, Oimer, Rav Shimon said, If you eat fully ripened peris, you pay the value of ripe peris, if you ate a saw, you pay the value of a saw, and if it was two saw, you pay the value of two saw. Now, as it relates to Shittas Rav Shimon, that we're going to discuss in tomorrow's daf. For today's daf, we need the Shittah of the Tanakam. So again, what the Tanakam say? We cheshben a base saw in the field, how much it was worth, and how much it's worth right now. So before we start the Gemara, if you would ask the man on the street, Shane, you want to figure out how to compute the value of the damage. What should you do? So what was the case? person has an animal, the animal went into his friend's field, and he ate a little bit. And you want to try to figure out now, Nezek Sholem, it's one of the Arbavas and Zikin, how much are you supposed to pay? So I think there'd be one of two very reasonable ways to go about this. One would be, let's see what he ate. What did he eat? He ate a certain amount of grain, go to the shuk, find out how much that grain sells for, whatever it is, write a check. Right? That's what you should do. Another Mahalik maybe would be, Take the field in totality. What was the field worth and what is the field worth now? And whatever the difference is, give it to him and call it even, right? Those would seemingly be the two very intuitive ways to go about that. Stating that, the Mishnah comes up with a whole computation. The Mishnah says, What we do is, is we look at this field and we parcel off a base of the field. And we ask ourselves, this besa, how much would it be worth with this that was eaten inside of it? And how much is it worth now that this is not there? And that difference is what you're going to pay. So we don't just look at the value of what was eaten, we don't take the totality of the field, but rather what we do is we take a besa within the field, parcel it off, make believe you are in the shuk right now trying to sell a base saw with it, without it, and whatever the difference is, that's how much you're going to pay. Which is a little bit of a chiddish that you would go about it this way. It would have to have a makar because l'chur and svara doesn't seem like there's any logic behind it. And that's why the Gemara is going to ask right now, meaning how do you know this? Because at first glance, this seems to be a very, very big Kiddush. One thing that's just worth mentioning before we start the Gemara, and that is that when you talk about a base saw, ordinarily, ruba the ruba of times and shas, a base saw is an area that's 50 amas by 50 amas. That's pretty big, right? Roughly 100 by 100. So that's usually what a, a base saw would be. And the cheshben of a base saw is a saw a bit, is an area where you can plant a core. It's an area that you can plant a core of zron, a core of seeds. So if you're going to take a core worth of seeds and you're going to plant it, so a lot is going to grow. So the base saw would be the parcel of land that can facilitate that type of agricultural growth. That's what it would usually mean. In this case, it's actually something else. Over here, the base saw is an area not where you can plant a core of zeroim, but rather it's an area where a core of chitin can grow. So it's a much smaller parcel of land. Again, we're not farmers, but the point is that it's not where you can plant a core of seed, but rather it's an area where a core of chitin can grow. The point is it's much smaller than what a base saw usually is. So usually, if you're a little familiar with the idea of a base saw, it's a very, very large parcel of land that we're going to see. The Gemara is going to take this base saw and multiply it by 60, so you're going to end up with acres and acres of property. It's not. It's actually a much smaller piece of land. The base saw is related to the regular base saw in the sense that it has a shaykhist to the core. But it's not an area where you can plant a core of zeroim, but it's an area where a core of chitin 
would be able to be cultivated. Either way, so the Gemara says, not really. how do you know that the way you cheshben is not by just figuring out the value of what it is that was eaten and not even look at the entire property with and without this thing that was eaten, but it's kefiyah beisah. So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Master, Rav Master said, I'm my cross, learned that from the following pasuk. It says regarding Shein, ubier b'stei acher, we know that pasuk, and we learn from here, melamed shneshomin al-gav stei acher. In other words, Rav Master said, why did the Torah say, ubier b'stei acher? What do you need the word acher for? That seems to be a superfluous word. So the reason the Torah wrote the word acher is to teach me that when we cheshben, we cheshben based on, a, on another field. I mean, we don't just look at this field with neyatzmai, and that's the way we make the cheshben. It's based on some objective field, a base saw of this type of tfua, with and without it, and that's how you come up with this number. But the Gemara says that you mean to tell me that the word acher is extra, and that's what teaches me the makar to this halacha of shaman based on a base. I need to be here to teach me the hilchaisein of shein, and that is that the only time you chayif a shein, and regal for that matter too, is if it's b'stei acher, but if it's in rishnosar abim, not. So the Gemara says, if all we wanted to know was that, then lichtei brachmana ubir b'stei chaveroi. Tyrus could have said, stay chaveroi. Inami, or it could have said, Ubir stay acher. My bistay acher. Why did Torah say bistay? Or why did Torah say acher and acher? To teach me, Shashom and Agavi stay acher. To teach me this halacha, that when you do the shuma, you do it based on a stay acher. Once I need Ubir bistay acher to teach me this halacha of Shom and Bebe Sasa, how do I even know? That Shane Veregel has to be Dafke Bachatzer and Nisik, maybe Yechayf, even Beshnusar Rabbim. So the Gemara says, I'm Kay, Lichtebe Rachmana Gabe Tashlumen. What the Torah should have said, if all the Torah meant by Acher was that the Shuma and the Tashlumen is based on a Stay Acher, then the Torah should have written the word Acher when it was talking about the Tashlumen in the Pasik. What it should have said was, Metav Sadeh, or Metav Karma Yeshalem, Bistay Acher. Why then did the Torah write Acher regarding the Etzim Ubier Shmami Notarity? Vaisai is coming to teach me two things. That the Stay Acher impacts the Etzim Ubier, the Etzim Maisa Hezek, because the Hezek has to happen in a Stay Acher as opposed to Rishosarabim. It also impacts the way you calculate the Tashlumen, because when we do the Shuma, we do the Shuma based on a Stay Acher. Either way, so we know now high level how the Shuma is done. We don't just ask ourselves what was eaten, how much would it cost in the shuk, and pay that. We don't even look at the field and just say how much is it worth with and without, but rather we take a base saw with and without this thing that was eaten, and that's what needs to be paid. And it's based on a posik, ubir bisteyacha, melamit shishom and algabi steyacha. Says the Gemara, hechi shamina, tachlas. How do you do the shuma? Now, it sounded like we already mentioned how you do the Shuma. But as we're about to see, the Shuma is a little bit more complex. And that's really what the Gemara is segueing into. What is the more specific formula that's used? And the Gemara is going to bring three shaitas. We'll read all three first. Amr Rabbi Yosni Rabchanina. Rabbi Yosni Rabchanina said, So b'shishim soin. Rabbi Yana Yomar, Rabbi Yana said, Tarkiv b'shishim tarkivim. Chizki Yomar, Chizki said, Kelach b'shishim klachim. And this is where the action is. Trying to figure out what exactly these three shumas are. So first things first. Rabbi Yisrael Khanina said, the way we figure it out is sub b'shishim sub. Now we said that the shum is done by taking a base saw, one saw, and figuring out what it's worth with and without. Says Rabbi Yisrael Khanina, that's true. However, the way we figure out the value of or Besa, we're going to use those words synonymously. The way you figure out the value of this Besa is not by going to the Shuk and seeing how much does a Besa sell for. With and how much does a Besa sell for without. But rather, the way we figure it out is by seeing how much a piece of property that has 60 saw sell for. When we figure out how much a piece of property that has 60 saw sells for, we then work backwards, we divide that by 160th to come up with a cheshmin of how much one base saw sells for. Once I know the value of how much one base saw sells for, so now already I can figure out how much damage occurred as a result of what this animal ate. And that's how I come up with my number. So really all Rabbi Yosef Rabchanina is changing is 
that when we figure out the value of the Beisah, we don't go to the Shuk and see how much a Beisah sells for. But rather, we figure out how much 60 Beisah sell for. When we figure out how much 60 Beisah fell for, sells for, we can then figure out how much one Beisah sells for. That's easy math. By dividing it by 60, and when I know how much the one Beisah sells for, so now I do what it sounded like the Mishnah says you're supposed to do is how much is it worth with, how much is it worth without, and that's what you're going to do. So essentially it's not one Shuma, but it's really two Shumas. It's not enough to just figure out how much is a Beisah. First you have to figure out how much a 60 Beisah, divide it by 60, now I get the adjusted value of the base saw, so to speak. And when I have that, then I can figure out what the number is going to be with and what the number is going to be without. Now, why would you do this? Like, why are we complicating something that's already complicated enough? So what would be the, the value of doing this? So Rashi says that the reason we do this is because if you were going to go to the shuk right now to buy one base saw, you were going to overpay. Meaning... There's a discount in the volume. If you buy 60 Beisa, so what you're paying per Beisa is going to be less than if you were buying one Beisa. And we want to be a little bit lenient towards the Mazik. And we don't want the number to be more than it needs to be. So we have a cooler digger way of computing the value of the Beisa. So ultimately, like the Mishnah says, we need to determine the value of a Beisa. And now we cheshben with and without, that's the number that you're going to pay. The only question is, how do you come to, to the value of the Beisah? Pasha, you would say, figure out what the value of the Beisah is. But the problem is, when you buy a Beisah independently, you're overpaying a little bit. If you buy it in volume, so then already, you're going to end up paying less per Beisah. The Chiddush of Shishim is that we figure out 60 times what it is, and if you figure out what it would be 60 times divided by 160th then you do the Shuma that's how you come up with this number now Rashi goes right there and Rashi says that to the extent that we have this uh, infatuation with 60 times the number so then why don't you just say figure out what 60 times the Beisah is and then Cheshbin 60 Beisah with 60 Beisah without and let that be the number meaning why do I need the second step? Meaning, the cheshman should be 60 beysa with, 60 beysa without. What's the cheshman? 60 beysa times 160th with and without. It should just be 60 beysa with and without. So Rashi says if you do that, the nizik would get nothing. Because if you're buying this huge piece of property that's 60 beysa with this aruga, without this aruga, is, is negligible. And as a result, the nizik would be losing too much. So we don't want the nizik to lose too much either. So therefore, we want it to be kafia beisa, where at least this aruga has a little standing, it has some tfisas makim, but at the same time, we want to have a more lenient calculation of the value of the beisa. So instead of taking a beisa with and without, we take 60 beisa times 160th with and without. So by making it 60 times 160th, you end up with a, a better value of the base saw for the Masai. But at the same time, by making it to fee one base saw, not to fee 60 base saw straight up, you end up with a better valuation for the Nizik. So like this, there's a compromise. The Masai's giving a little bit, the Nizik's giving a little bit, this is the Cheshman, this is how you come up with it. The one thing that's very interesting and the is not going to explain is why the number 60? Maybe 30, maybe 50, maybe 72, 10 times high. I don't know who. How do you come up with the number 60? So the Rambam in the Spirit of asks this question, and the Rambam says something fascinating. Chazal came up with the number of Shishim. Because most of the Shirim that we find are the Shishim, like we're going to explain in Mesachus You know where the Rambam is going to explain it in Mesachus right? The sugyas of Kalabasar and Gedanasha, Bittu Bachishim. So the Ramam says 60 is a Jewish number when it comes to Shiurim. And as a result, the number that Chazal worked with over here was 60, but there's really no magic to the number 60. It's just the go to number when you're handling things like this. Either way, so what's the first Shnita? Rabbi Yes, Rabbi Hanina said, saw Bishnishim saw. The Mishnah says we don't assess the value of what was eaten, Bishnayatzmai. We don't just look at what the field was worth with and without. It's Ubir Bishnayacher. What's this day acher? 
What's that independent metric? It's a beisah. So Pashi would say, okay, how much is the beisah worth with? How much is it worth without? Said Rabbi Yisrael, no. What we do is, we first cheshbin what 60 beisah are worth, multiply that by 160th to get an adjusted value of the beisah, and then we trigger the Mishnah. How much is that beisah worth with? And how much is it worth without? Rav Yana, Yama Rav Yana, I say, Tarkiv Bishish and Tarkivim. So once we... Here, Rabbi Yisrael Rabbi Chanina's pshat, Rabbi Yana's pshat goes much quicker. So Rabbi Yana said that the number that we're going to work to try to figure out the value of the saw is not going to be one sixtieth of sixty saw, but rather what it's going to be is one sixtieth of sixty tarkivim. So a tarkiv is a half a saw. So really what Rabbi Yana is saying in English is that when we're going to come up with our calculation to figure out the value of a base saw, it's not going to be based on how much would you pay per base saw if you had a parcel of land of 60 base saw, but it's how much would you pay per base saw if you had a parcel of land that was 30 base saw. So it's not 1 60th of 60 saw, but really what it is is 1 30th of 30 base saw. Now the way Rav Yanai said it was not 1 30th of 30 base saw, but he said 1 60th of 60 tarkivim, which is really the same as saying 1 30th of 30 beisah. It's the same exact thing, right? The way it's going to work in Rav Yana's Cheshben, just to talk it through, is you're going to figure out how much 60 tarkivim are worth, which is 30 beisah. Then you're going to figure out 1 60th. 1 60th is 1 tarkiv, which is a half a saw. Now the Mishnah says, case tachom, and you have to come up with the saw. So what you're going to then do is you're going to take the tarkiv, you're going to multiply it by 2, and then you're going to figure out how much it's worth with, how much it's worth without. So this is really an extra step, right? What you could have simply said was 1 30th of 30, of 1 30th of 30 saw. So why do you say 1 60th of 60 tarkivim? So in the Rambam's world, it's very gishmak, because the number we're working with is 60. So we're working off a number 60, so even though it would have been a little bit simpler to say 1-30th of 30 saw, he said 1-60th of 60 takim. But again, it's the same exact nakuda, and it's the same Rashi that spoke out the Havana behind understanding Shittas Rabbi Yosef Rabchanina. We want to figure out how much is a base saw worth with, how much is a base saw worth without. But instead of determining the value of a base saw in a vacuum, we're going to come up with a discounted valuation of the base saw based on how much a person would pay per base saw if he was buying a bunch of base saw. According to Rabbi Yosef Rabchanina, how big is that bunch? 60? And according to Rav Yanai, how much is that bunch? It's really 30. Chizki is a third shot. He has a whole different avon. He said, Kelach b'shishim kalachin. What does that mean? Chizkiah holds that the way you make the cheshben is not related to a beisah at all. That's not the cheshben. But rather, what we figure out is, Rashi says, Shomin masha achla, look at what the person ate, b'shishim shiurim kamoisa. So basically, what did this person eat? He ate a kelach, he ate a stalk of grain. So imagine he would have eaten 60 times that. How much, I'm sorry, imagine he had a piece of property that was 60 times that. How much would the property be worth with the kelach that he ate? And how much would the property be worth without the kelach that he ate? So it's not always based on this objective base up. But you look individually at what it is that this person ate. You multiply it by 60. Nachamol, the number 60. And you cheshman, how much would that 60 be worth with? How much would that 60 be worth with? Zok the Gemara Meisfeil. Ask you a kasha. And this kasha the Gemara is going to ask is a kasha. Sign Rebbe Sirp Sign Rabbi Yanai, sign Chizki. It's a catch on all three pshatim. The Bryson says, Ach, a kabayim. Somebody eats a kab or a kabayim. We don't say to Shalim Demeyim. We don't say pay the value of the kav kabayim. But rather, what we do is we look at it as if it was a patch of property. And me are Mishayr, how much the property be worth with, and how much the property would be worth without. In other words, it sounds like what the Bryce is saying is that you could have thought that if somebody, an animal, eats payroys, so there's two ways to assess the damage. One would be how much would this that was eaten sell for? 
or look at it from the standpoint of the property, right? Those two ways that we said intuitively the man on the street would have gone about this. So the Brisa seems to be addressing those two mahalcha. Do you look at the metalpolin, the paris that we're eating, or do you look at the karkna, with and without? So says the Brisa that you don't say pay the value of the paris that was eaten, but rather look at the value of the karka with and look at it without. But what's the point? It doesn't say a word about shishin. So my lab if right? Because if shishin was part of the equation, literally, so how come it doesn't say shishin? So says like shishin, even though it doesn't say shishin, but really it means shishin. Tanur up on another brayso. Ain't shaman kav. We don't assess a kav because it's going to make the number too big. The loy base core. Additionally, we don't assess a base core mipnesha poigmoi because. It's going to be pagan. So Gemara says, "My comma. What do these words even mean?" So again, this is a very, very cryptic brayso. So Gemara says, "I'm wrap up, wrap up." I said, I'll tell you what the brayso means. Ain't shomin kav beshishim kavim mipneisha mashbiach. If a person's animal ate a kav, so we don't cheshbin." how much the damage is based on a field that's worth shishim kavim. And the reason is, who's the mashbiach? Because the mazik is going to end up benefiting. Additionally, if he ate a kur, did the animal, and we have to assess the value, we don't assess it based on a field that's shishim kurim, mipnei, because it's going to cause the mazik to end up losing too much. In other words, Rapapa, who's explaining the Bryce, understood that when the Bryce says, the Tana holds like the Tana of our Mishnah. And that is that when you assess the Shuma, you don't assess how much did he eat, you don't even assess it, Agav the Karka, you assess it based on Shishim. Right? That's the Cheshman. That's the way you make this work. And what the Tana is saying is, that when you make this cheshman of shishim, so if you have to take into consideration the amount that was eaten, because if you're not going to take into consideration the amount that was eaten, and you're going to always multiply by shishim, then sometimes the number is going to be too high, and sometimes the number is going to be too low. Meaning sometimes the mazik is going to end up gaining a little too much, and sometimes the mazik is going to end up losing a little bit too much. So for example, if the amount that was eaten was a kav, so a kav is a very, very small amount. So if you're going to say that the animal ate a calf, okay, so let's multiply the calf by shishim. Look at the karka now, that's 60 times the calf with and without the calf that was eaten, and come up with a cheshman of how much the mazik now has to pay. If you're going to do that, mashpiach mazik, the mazik is going to end up losing. And the reason is because a calf is a very small amount. So one calf relative to 60 calvin is so small that the number's a little bit too beneficial to the mazik. If the amount that was eaten was a kur, which is a very, very large amount, and you're going to cheshbe now one kur times 60 kurin, and minus the kur that was eaten, it's going to come out that the mazik's going to end up losing, because that hefzit's going to be a big hefzit. And Rashi says the reason it's going to be a big hefzit is because a kur is a big number. So 60 kurin is going to be a very big number, and and who buys fields that are this big? Those are the only people that can afford something like this. So a big veer overpays very often. And as a result, it's someone like that that's going to end up buying it. Not just that, if it's missing a core, that's a very harsh of a hefzit. So the point is, if you're going to work with that calculation, it's going to end up being too much also. So as much as there's a cheshbin of shishim, but at the same time, you can't always use the number shishim. Because if you're going to always just take the number and multiply it by shishim, we'll explain this. As if you're going to always take the number shishim, then sometimes it's going to be too much for the mazik, and sometimes it's going to be too little for the mazik. If it's a kav, 60 times the kav is nothing. And if it's a core, 60 times the core is cruel and unusual. So you can't just work with the number shishim. And that's what the price was trying to say. Now, the price is a little bit chaser. So if that's not what you do, then what are you supposed to do? So Rashi says, what you're supposed to do is, it's the end of Rashi, What you do is, is you have to look at what was eaten and convert it into a saw. So this is another step. 
and then work with the Shuma of either Rabbi Yosin, Rabbi Hanin, or Rabbi Yana. You can pick your Shuma. But the point is, is that you can't just take the Kav, multiply it by 60. You can't just take the core, multiply it by 60, because the number is going to be off. But rather, what you want to do is, is you take the core. So a core is 30, so. so what you would do is, is you would look at the core that was eaten of 30 saw and cheshben each saw how much would you have to pay multiply that number by 30 and that's how you would come up with the number so you can't look at the kur as a dover bifneyatzma you also can't look at the kav as a dover bifneyatzma you have to take the kav convert it into sawin and then divide it based on how many kavin there are to the saw or take the kur subdivide that into sum and then multiply it by the amount of sum that you need to come up with your number core. But the point is, is that the formula is based on the value per saw, not on the value per cob, not on the value per core, despite the fact that the thing that was eaten was a cob or was a core. What? That's what the Bryce is saying. So the Bryce is saying, I know there's an idea of shisha. And I know that there has to be some independent valuation that's going to be used. If you ate a kav, you would think 60 times the kav. And if you ate a kor, you would think 60 times the kor. You can't do that. 60 times the kav, mashpiach mazik. 60 times the kor, mashpiach nizik. Poygim the mazik. What you need to do is, is you always figure out a saw per shishin, and then adjust how much was eaten now that you know what the may hesnik is per saw. Now, this b'raisa, the way Rapop explained the b'raisa, makes sense, according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Hanina, and according to Rabbi Yana, that you're always working with a saw. But the way Chizkiya learned the b'raisa, what did Chizkiya say? Kelach b'shishim kalachim. Eda kelach, 60 times the kelach. And it sounds like that you're always going to work with 60, which is exactly what this b'raisa is coming to okay. In fact, it sounds to me like the kavana of the b'raisa very much was to tell you, not like Cheskia, that you can't just multiply the number by 60 because it's a little too Afghanistan. You have to come up with something that is a little bit more reasonable. Let's work with the sun. And the truth is, the Rishonim speak out that really the way Rapop is explaining the Braisa wouldn't work in the world of Chizkiah. Either way, asked the Kashan the way Rapapa explained the Braisa. He said, Hi, the Loy base core. So the kasha was a little bit of a technical question. The Bryson said, The way Rapop is explaining it is, if what was eaten was a calf. And the way he's explaining was, if what was eaten was a a core. So the kasha is, if what was eaten was a core, then why is he referred to it as a base core? A base core is the land. The animal didn't eat the land. The animal ate the food that was growing in the land. So really, if Pshat in the Bryce is the way Rapop is explaining it, that the Reish in Shom and Kav is the one where the animal ate the Kav, and the Seif of Elias Base Core is the one where the animal ate the core, so then why didn't it say Core? Why did it say Base Core? So, Hai Veloy Base Core? Veloy Core me boyle. Elo Amar Afuna Bar Manoyach, Mashmed Rav Achabred Rav Icha Hakiktani. So you have to say, because it is a technical question, it's a good question, but you have to learn a little bit of a different shot. Rather, what the Bryson is saying is, is ain't shaman kav bifnei atzmoi, mipnei shemashbiach nizek. In the event that an animal eats a kav, so you can't just figure out what the value of the kav is and write the check. Mipnei shemashbiach. Who's mashbiach? Papa's Bryson, the mazik was being mashbiach. Over here, it's not the mazik that's being mashbiach, but it's the nizek that's being mashbiach. Because if you're going to just say, okay, how much is this kav worth in the shuk right now and write the check, it's going to be too much. You also don't cheshbin how much the kav would be worth relative to a base core. And the reason is because in that case, it's going to end up being a little bit too little. What you do is, you work with the cheshman of Shishim, and really what this b'raisa was telling me was the basic halach of Shishim. So the b'raisa was not addressing where you ate a kav, then you don't say Shishim. Or if you ate a kor, then you don't say Shishim. But rather, what the b'raisa was telling me was, was the ikr halach of Shishim. That the way you cheshman this whole patent is, is not how much is the value of this that was eaten, and it's also not how much did you eat relative to the base core, 
But rather, what you cheshbin is, you cheshbin shishim. How do you cheshbin shishim? Market the isle, market the isle, the way we explained it earlier. Zok the Gemara. Ha'hu gaber the cuts kasba michavre. There was a person that went and he cut off his friend's palm tree. Also, the Kamid Reish Galusa, and he was brought to court in front of the Reish Galusa. Amale, so. He said as follows, I saw the This palm tree that was chopped down was one of three palm trees that were in one row, right? They were all situated right next to each other. And together they were worth a hundred zoos. So you chopped off one of them. Give him one third of a hundred zoos. That's what you have to pay him. So when this person heard what he was being told that he has to pay, he said, He says, I went to the Reish Galusa to get a Persian psak. I went to get a Yiddish psak. I thought I was going to get Hilchis Bavakamla. I didn't realize I was going to the Erkuis. This is the way you're cheshmaning the value of the damage. I mean, it sounded very reasonable, right? He says, I don't know. You had three trees. As far as I know, they were worth $100. Now you only have two. So you have to pay a third. Nezik Sholem. Like, what's the grace of Shiloh? But he was very, very disappointed. Why was he disappointed? Because he learned Perak Akoinus. And he knew there's something called Shishim. So he was very taken aback. Like, why are you not cheshmining with Shishim? I thought you're supposed to work this a little bit better, right? And the Ikra Allah of Shishim Rashi said helps the Mazik. So I don't understand. Why are you not working with the concept of Shishim? So the Gemara says, also the Kamadir Rav Nachman, he afterwards went to Rav Nachman, Amalei, Rav Nachman told him, Bishishim. Oh, he gave him a whole different psaq. So he was very happy. He said, This is the way it's supposed to be. Amalei Rav, as Rav heard Rav Nachman's psaq, he told him, he says, You're stelling to the Allah of Shishim to this case. Why not? It's true there's a concept of Shishim, but where do you find Shishim? You find Shishim by Niske Momin. You find it by the magic of Shane. It's Xeris Akosim. Ubir That's where you find it. But by Adam Amazik, Mehechatesi. And being that Shishim really helps the Mazik, so if Shishim helps the Mazik, so maybe by Niske Mamoinoi we're a little bit more lenient. But when it comes to Adam Mazik, maybe not. So who said this Rava? Amalei Abayah Rava. Abayah told Rava, Beniske Gufa my daitech. How do you know that when it comes to Niske Gufa over there it's different? Probably Rava, you're saying it not just me, Svara. Even though you could hear the Svara, but you're probably coming from. Uh, a proof. What's the proof to Tanya from the following Brysa? Now this Brysa that we're about to learn is going to take us on to Daf Nun Tes We're going to go through it quickly because in tomorrow's Daf, the Gemara is going to go through it slowly. So until tomorrow, the Gemara is going to really go through this Brysa. We just need one Prat to finish today's Daf and that's what we're going to do. Snabaya told Rava, why do you hold that by Niske Gufa you don't say Shishim? Probably from this Brysa. What does it say in the Brysa? If somebody is Mazik, he destroys his friend's vineyard, Smadar, while the vineyard was in its very infancy stages. So the grapes were like very, very fresh and new and unripe. So when we cheshmin, how much he has to pay? So you come up with a, a shuma, you come up with an assessment, how much it was worth before, how much it's worth after, and that's what you pay. Again, what exactly this means, we're going to see better in tomorrow's after. Now the ilu b'shishim, like Tani, doesn't say one word about shishim. Oh, it's probably where you came from. Because you knew about this b'raisa, where the b'raisa talks about someone that damaged his friend's vineyard, and doesn't say one word about shishim. That's where you're coming from, right, Rava? So he says, let me ask you a question, Rava. If that's where you're coming from, isn't there a Braisna elsewhere that uses similar Lushoinus as it relates to Niske Mamoin? And there too it doesn't say Shishim, even though everybody knows there is a Din Shishim by Niske Mamoin. The Tanya, what's this other Braisa? If somebody's animal went and it ripped out the Natiya, so that's also like a young sapling, some young something that was growing. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi says, If it was one year old, you have to pay two Kasef. If it was two years old, Arbok if you have to pay four kasafs. What happens if it ate? Rashi says chaziz is shachas. So that's like unripened food. So what we do is we wait to see the rest of the aruga until it fully grows. 
to know how much the full value of this shachas was going to be worth at the time that it was going to shtag and grow into regular tfuah. And this person has to pay based on not how much the shachas is worth, but based on zeh cotton godel year, right? What the thing was going to be worth when it fully grows. For Chacham, the Chacham say, no, you don't do that. Rather, what we do is we look at the karka, how much is it worth with the shachas, how much is it worth without the shachas, and you pay the difference. In the event that a person ate smadar, so that's unripe in grapes. Same thing. You're going to pay for the grapes, but not based on how much these smadar is worth, but based on how much the grapes are going to be worth when they fully ripen. The Chachamim say, that we base it on what the smother is worth now, but we don't look at the grapes independently. We look at the karka with it, and we look at the karka without it. Rav Shimon ben Yehuda, Oymer Mishum Rav Shimon. Rav Shimon ben Yehuda said the name Rav Shimon. When is all this true? Bisman she'achlo luvei gefanim v'yuchurei te'enim. That is, if you ate, right, luvei, of lulefeim, of the vineyard, or yuchurei te'enim, like the twigs of the te'enim. Avol achlo pagim o'yboyser. But if you didn't eat the twigs and the branches, but rather you ate the actual unripened fruit, royan oyslan ki'ilu you look at it as if there are novim that are ready to be harvested again. What this all means exactly, hopefully we'll be able to go through properly tomorrow. But for now, what we need is one thing. Abaya turns to Rava and he says, Ketani Mias. And let me just take out one part of this price. The Chachamim Oymim, the Chachamim said, this was regarding someone that ate Shachas. You don't assess the value of the shachas independently. You don't say how much is it going to be worth when it steigs, but you look at the karka with it and without it. Now, what doesn't it say? For like Tommy, but shishim, it doesn't say the word shishim. So, if you're going to stop being medayik brises, Rava, that you found a brise that talks about other masik, where the person was masik moment, and it says you have to pay nezik shalom without mentioning the word shishim, zoysay meres, that there's no din shishim when it comes to other masik, only beniske mamoynoy, I just found a Comparable Braisa, which also talks about Nizakin. This time it's Niske Mamoin, and again it doesn't mention a word about Shishim. Now everyone knows when it comes to Niske Mamoin, this is in Shishim. What do you have to say regarding that Braisa? Bishishim. No, that Braisa, even though it doesn't say Bishishim, means Bishishim. So this price of two, even though it doesn't say Bishishim, really means Bishishim. The bottom line is you can't bring any rice from there that it's not Bishishim. This is part one of the Sugya. Be'ezah Hashem, we will learn part two tomorrow.